Hello, and welcome. Got any spoons? I'm your host, Anne. I am not a doctor, and I don't give medical advice. I do share my personal experiences, tips, tricks, and life hacks of dealing with a chronic illness, disability, and pain. A lot of chronically ill patients will experience pain on a constant basis, and many of us have gotten good at masking that pain, at functioning through that pain. Um, And often, if we are prescribed medicines to help that, it's not that we're ever pain-free. We're not able to medicate to no pain. We're able to medicate to functioning, which is a very different thing altogether. It's been six years, almost to the day that I was diagnosed with uh, global dysmotility, gastroparesis, um, the paralyzed small intestine, and large intestine. And that has sent me down a path that's been very difficult. In that first year, it was probably the most difficult because we had to try J-tubes and we didn't know that I had EDS at the time, but the complication is that the stomas wouldn't heal, so the tubes won't stay in place, and that was a really bad go for me. Um, And so in order to use the J-tube, since things were so hard to take in by mouth, there was a pain clinic that would prescribe a liquid form of a narcotic that I could push through my J-tube. Um, I'm, I don't know that it worked great. I was, I was always in pain and we were throwing a lot of things at the situation to make it help. Um, but it was, didn't take too long. Um, when I finally got my port in and I was on TPN and it was obvious and clear to me that taking this medicine orally wasn't doing diddly squat. I went to my pain doctor and discussed this with him. And one of the things that you have to do when you're taking a prescription medication for pain on a regular basis is you have to go in and see that prescribing doctor once a month. The ivory tower legislation does not allow doctors to um, prescribe refills because that's a way they believe they can keep it lower from people getting addicted and having an opioid crisis that we do. Uh, also, when you go in for that monthly visit, at least in my state, my, my situation, I, was, I had to do a P-test and I was tested for illicit drugs. Um, and uh, that included in my state, marijuana, and that if you tested positive for any of those, then you no longer had a contract. You had to sign a contract for them to prescribe these meds. And the rule set forth to get the prescription is coming in once a month, clean P-test, and then you would get your refill. So imagine when I come in and I say, this isn't working and I don't want to use this anymore. Then they were happy not to prescribe that for me. 
I was still in a lot of pain. Uh, really, the only thing that they could offer were, you know, nerve blocks and nerve ablations and procedure type things. And yes, I tried those. Um, and yes, they completely ignored the fact that I told them lidocaine doesn't work and yada, yada. So that, that was horrible, right? <laughs> so it has become increasingly different or difficult for people to get pain meds. And um, I learned a little bit about that this week in my own journey and what's been making it difficult. In one of my most recent pain flares, I opted to call my primary because it was within office hours and I knew that they were going to tell me to go to the ER, but I needed them to hear me at what level I was that this is this is where I'm at, this is why I need help type of thing. So I call and the nurse is trying to, quote, calm me down and get me to breathe through the pain. Uh, the particular pain that I had, deep breaths hurt more. So I did what I could to calm down to tell her what was happening. She's like, you have to go to the ER. I said, no, I don't have to go to the ER. I'm not dying. And she's like, well, you have to be evaluated. And, and I was like, I will go there as you have told me. And depending on the doctor du jour, I have no idea whether I'll be helped today, whether I'll be yelled at, uh, if I'll be kicked out, if I will be given placebos or something highly ineffective. Um, I need your help. And um, she basically said that my primary has a strict no narcotics rule. He does not prescribe those ever for anyone. And I needed to go to the ER. I did that. And they did help me. And then I called my primary back the next day, said, we have to have a plan. This plan that I just limp along until I'm in level 10, excruciating pain for way too long, and then go to the ER. Um, it isn't working. And um, not only do you always have the risk of being tagged a frequent flyer, a.k.a drug seeker, um, you also then have to contend with the idea that um, although I'm going to the same ER each time, there is a different doctor. They have a rotating cast. And that means that I have to explain uh, the situation. And it's very difficult to get the help you need because it kind of really does depend on their mood. And if we're going to get help. So I did get help. I called back. They gave me a stat uh, referral to the pain clinic, which was six weeks out. And so now I know also that pain clinics have stopped prescribing narcotics. Um, when I visited my pain specialist maybe a year ago, um, after I got my genetic testing and I was trying to um, find and tell my doctors I had this, we can use this, this is a resource, um, they let me know that they don't prescribe narcotics anymore. They just do the procedures because I guess prescribing narcotics with the ivory towers legislation in place 
has become damn near impossible. They are highly scrutinizing and um, they are, it's a very good look for them. The politicians don't want drug addicts and they don't want people dying um, who have been innocently addicted after a procedure and it's not their fault. Completely, utterly ignoring the demographic of chronic pain patients. And I believe that if you are chronically ill and you have chronic pain, your medication is not an addiction. It may be a dependency, but in the same way that um, we have insulin that are for the diabetics, yes, they are dependent on that. For people with heart issues, they are dependent on cholesterol medications, blood pressure medications, possibly need the nitroglycerin when they have a flare or something's going wonky. When they walk into an ER, they're not told we don't deal with chronic chronic situation, chronic illness. That's what it is. You are chronically ill. You have a heart a heart condition, you have high cholesterol, you have high blood pressure. And right now, things are a little out of whack, and they're going to help you control that. Are you currently having a stroke or a heart attack? They'll check, but most likely not. And how is that any different than what I just described for myself, where I have pain all the time, but I have a spike and what I have to take care of it isn't taking care of it. So I'm going to the ER. They might evaluate me for something that could be killing me like a dissected aorta. And when they figure out I'm relatively safe, they get the pain down with one, maybe two doses if they're kind. I don't know how the difference is, except for that I'm the drug seeker and they're the the patients who are supposed to be there and I'm taking away from their time. I'm utilizing resources inappropriately somehow. So the stat referral to a different pain clinic, one that I haven't tried before, um, ended up being six weeks in the future. That was the soonest they could get me in. In fact, the appointment's still uh, two weeks away. Mm, Maybe not two, maybe 10 days. Okay. Um, and in the meantime, I am really, really, really struggling and miserable. And, um, I signed up, I made an appointment with the palliative team that I had seen a year ago again, when I got my PGX results and felt like, Hey, here, here's great information. There is a medication too that work well with my system according to this, can we give this a try? And the method that we needed um, or that was recommended was intravenous with a lockout, the button, and that is a no-go. It's a no-go then, now, and forevermore. That is only gonna be a hospital thing. And when I was talking to the palliative doctor, she was curious as to why my primary wasn't prescribing these medications since he, quote, prescribed other controlled substances. And I honestly had to ask, what other controlled substances? Because we weren't talking about narcotics. And um, I take a medication for anxiety. It's an elixir. It goes under my tongue. Um, I also take a 
sleepy time pill uh, that apparently is a controlled substance. I, I do believe that one is just a placebo or I'm throwing a dart hoping it hits this night. <laughs> um, and I, I, I said, well, he's told me he has a strict no narcotics rule. And the palliative team let me know that, yeah, to in order to prescribe these medications, they need to have a DEA license. And many of them will prescribe classes of medications within that license, and then boom, draw the line at the narcotics because of the extreme clampdown and restrictive nature of how you can prescribe these things, to whom you can prescribe them, how it has to be monitored, and all this other stuff. And so she wasn't ready to write the script that day. She wanted to touch base with my primary and confirm this is his rule. And then also, if so, and she will write for it, they need to be in communication. I agree with that. I'm not trying to get I'm not trying to double dip. I'm trying not trying to beat the system. Um, I just I just need some help. That's what I'm trying to do. Um, and so to hear that she's willing and there is an option and we're going to try it has given me a glimmer of hope. It will be another week probably uh, because of the holidays and such. I hope to God my doctor hasn't taken some two to four week vacation because school's out for summer. Yeah, that'll happen. <laughs> so uh, crossing my fingers this week that we get the response from the primary. Um, everybody's on board and I am able to have a prescription in my arsenal for occasional pain flare days that will keep me out of the ER. And I don't think I'll need the the higher doses of the medicine if I can use it when the pain starts. Instead of enduring the pain, waiting to see if it's going to pass, and only when it's been, you know, four hours or whatever, and I can't do it anymore, going to the ER, basically almost in pass out pain. I'm so close just to passing out um, that I think this is going to be a really great thing. And we have hit our halfway mark. So take a break. If you've got some meds you need to take, please do that. Make a call, do something to take care of yourself. Come on back and we'll talk some more. Hello, welcome back. Okay. So if you are like me and you've got a very complex uh, nature, I have yet to have like a symptom diary. I've done like brief diaries for a specific reason, uh, like like with the GPS, GPS, gastroparesis, woohoo, yeah. Um, gastroparesis, they kind of needed to know what I was taking in, what I was, you know, putting out, that type of thing. Um, when I did the uh, smart pill test, you definitely, they had a little handbook that you had to keep track of everything. I know like bariatric surgery people have to uh, keep that diary. And those are mostly food diaries, which 
suck because that's usually not the issue. They like to make it the issue. The doctors really want the ball to be in your court and they will put off doing anything to help you if they think that they can keep that ball in your court. If you're overweight, they are always going to say, lose weight and then come back and see me. Knowing that you've got the deck stacked against you to lose the weight because of your illnesses and stuff, to me, it's just maddening. It's crazy. I hate it. Um, My motivation for keeping this journal right now is the fact that the ivory tower legislation is cracking down on meds so severely that I will end up in my, I believe it, I believe I'll end up basically going to court with my doctor or with the medical community. And it's not that they're wanting to do that. It's going to be what I have to do for them to continue to help me. Like, are you sure you still need it? Because we're going to have to evaluate like every month when you come in for this prescription. Yeah, we're going to need you to have a clean urine sample. And then we're going to need you to convince us all over again that you really need this. Okay. Alrighty. So I'll start keeping a journal. Real simple, stating where my pain's at, um, how it is affected on a level of one to 10. How has it uh, impacted your quality of life? Um, Did I have to cancel plans because my pain wouldn't allow me to do that? Did I avoid plans? Did I not make plans at all? Have I been in bed at home simply because going out and doing stuff is too painful? And I will keep that journal and I'll even keep a note of what I'm saying no to. Because if you think that I'm saying no to um, a day at the ice skating rink, yeah, I would never say yes to that at this point. But I'm talking about somebody invites me over to do a puzzle. Yeah, I can't go make a puzzle with you today. Uh, Too much pain. My brain won't work to put those puzzle pieces together. And I am not able to walk my dogs. Uh, I will pass out. I will, they will be bad. And that's also Um, Talk about a decline in my quality of life, not being able to take my dogs uh, to church has been very difficult and I need to figure out a way that I can get there and and walk with them. Um, Might have to get my scooter out. (laughs) I don't want to take the scooter to an off-leash dog park because it's their park and I've seen people who bring bikes because it's 30 acres, you know, it's it's not a little square, you know, patch of grass where they can pee. This is a large off-leash park with a pond and woods and high grass and all these really great things that dogs love. Um, we do have a walking path in our area. It's pretty long, um, but I also have three dogs and... Um, two and a half. One of them is my grand dog, so I don't always have them. Um, But one of them's 90 pounds, one of them's a doodle, 
that's 60 pounds, but he looks as big as the 90 pound one because of his doodle fluff. And then I have a little menace. He's, he's 35 pounds and, and yes, he has small man syndrome and uh, he likes to bark. He's not yet an ankle biter. Uh, he's not that little. A lot of people are like, what do you mean 35 pounds? That's not a small dog. That's a really big dog. Well, he's a third of the size of his brother. So he's a little dog. He's, he's, he's a pork chop. So while the state of the medical community in chronically ill, especially chronic pain patients, may seem bleak, I am hopeful because I get to try something that might work for me. And I am going to do everything in my power to keep the option available. And if I would not ever support um, people who get this stuff. And I understand, I get it. There's junkies, there's drug addicts. And you know what? They're probably self-medicating. They do have pain. It might be mental. It might be physical. I don't know, and I'm not here to judge, uh, but the ivory tower can do whatever it wants to squeeze, you know, any possibility of help out of our system and know damn well that none of those rules are going to apply to them. And I jump off my soapbox now. Okay. Thank you for indulging me. I just get really frustrated and comedy specials like John Mulvaney and talking about being a massive drug addict and his star-studded intervention and making a comedy routine about it, making money, making fun. I just, I wanted to reach through the screen, grab his throat and punch him. Instead, I just turned it off and I didn't watch anymore because that was like so egregiously wrong um, in so many ways that I couldn't do it. I won't do it. And I suggest you not support that particular uh, special as well. If you are a chronic pain um, sufferer or, or you know one, or just in fact, if you're a rural person who thinks that medicine should be between a doctor and a patient, uh uh-huh. Yeah, let's do that. Let's keep the people who need it talking to the people who have it and can actually get it instead of people who, um, Oh, John. Dang, that was disappointing. I'm taking deep breaths. It's going to be okay. Why do I get so upset? I get so upset, guys, because every day I am in pain. Every day I am begging for help. And he's just taking. And sucks. Okay. Sorry. If you know of a good tracking app, please send it my way at gotanyspoons at gmail.com. If I do find a good app or, um, I don't know, paper, you know, notebook type uh, tracker for what I'm needing, I will definitely pass that along as soon as I find it. Uh, but I love resource sharing. So if you know the resources, 
how about you share with your girl? I'd really appreciate it. Um, we're heading into the summer months. And for me, that means a lot, a lot of time inside. I am heat intolerant. I blotch out in bad skin rashes when I'm in the sun. I overheat the the silicone cover I have to use to for my port because I'm allergic to all of the, you know, adhesives. Uh, it's also heat intolerant. So if I start to warm up, it starts to peel off. And then we have a dangerous situation of an access port being exposed to who knows what. Um, so I have to really focus and I'll be inside. So I think in the next podcast, I will be addressing uh what to do when you're homebound. And I mean like indoors bound where we don't get to get out much. Um, That's a real thing. And I know that normal people have had to deal with it because of COVID and it it did drive some of them insane. Um, And why wouldn't it? It's really hard unless you are a very staunch introvert who really, really, really likes their things. And if that's so, bless you. Enjoy your time in your nest. I love you. And I'm glad you don't have the same challenges that I do because it's not easy. And wherever we can have easy, I'm all for it. I hope you all have a wonderful week. I hope you know that you are not alone and you are loved. I love you. I'll talk to you next week.